This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we're joined by John Hale. He covers Kentucky for the Courier-Journal up in Lexington. He helps us preview this Kentucky-Vanderbilt matchup. 7 o'clock Eastern time kickoff here in Nashville on ESPN2. Kentucky is a 21.5-point favorite, so we'll see if the Commodores could potentially pull off the upset on Saturday night. It's the blackout. It's senior night, so a lot going on on campus Saturday night. Make sure you tune into that one. But also, we will recap Alabama State. Vanderbilt gets a win 91-72, to the first one of the season for Coach Stackhouse's group. We'll touch on that. We'll also touch on their game Sunday night coming up against Texas State. But also, the big facility renderings have been released. I will dive into all the new facilities that are supposed to be built in fall of next year. It's a great day to be a Commodore, and we've got a lot more coming up next here on The Door Report. Powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Let's ride. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. Welcome into the Door Report. It is episode 125. It is November 12th, 2021. We are powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Wherever you are, however you may be listening, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Door Report. Unfortunately, Will Byram is unable to co-host today, but we're still rocking and rolling. We've got a full Kentucky preview coming your way. I will also recap the Alabama State uh, men's basketball game from Wednesday night. Solid performance uh, from Coach Stackhouse's boys. And we'll uh, touch a little bit on their game Sunday night against Texas State. But the big news today surrounding Commodore Nation is the big facility renderings have been released. And Vandy United, Candace Lee, Tommy McClelland, everyone that was a part of this just dropped the biggest anchor that could have been dropped on Commodore fans today, and I'll dive into all of the renderings and the future of Vanderbilt Athletics because we got a brand new Vandy coming your way, and and it's really special uh, to see a historic day such as this one. I know there's no shovels in the ground quite yet, and we may not know when a lot of these uh, renderings and and you know construction, of course, will be finalized. Uh, but nonetheless, it's a special day and a great day to be gold. So I will dive into uh, those big facility renderings. And of course, we'll be joined uh, by John Hale. He covers Kentucky for the Courier Journal up in Lexington as the Cats roll into Music City on Saturday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time kickoff on ESPN2. So uh, we'll preview uh, that and much more. So we got a lot coming your way here on the Door Report. Before we get to the Kentucky preview and Alabama State recap. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcast. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and review on iTunes. All right, let's get to the Kentucky preview and Alabama State recap. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flowing job to Alaco Finewood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Finewood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. 
All right, let's jump right into it. Before we preview Kentucky, we got that one coming up on Saturday night. Let's dive into the Vanderbilt men's basketball matchup with Alabama State on Wednesday night. And uh, it was a big-time win uh, for Vanderbilt. Not necessarily an important win, but it, it was it was, it was was a win they needed to have, of course, to start the season. And with the way Vanderbilt football started their season, a home loss to an FCS team in ETSU, it was nice and comforting to, to see a home victory such as this one against Alabama State. Of course, Mo Williams is their head coach. It was a f- couple of former NBA players going at it. Vanderbilt ended up winning 91-72. to They controlled the game throughout. Uh, second half, of course, maybe slowed down a little bit for Vanderbilt, but uh, they ended up getting uh, a lot of guys, some some quality reps uh, there on the bench, and, and Vanderbilt ended up winning uh, there by 19 points. And a few stats to get to. Vanderbilt shot 45% from the field, only 29% from three. Uh, they shot a lot of threes, um, but not a bad mark, uh, of course, to start the season. Uh, 75% from the free throw line. They had 38 total rebounds. Uh, only 15 turnovers, not horrible. Of course, Stack probably wants to decrease that a little bit. But uh, defensively, they were active. 11 steals uh, for this Vanderbilt team. And, and uh, I, I think what you're learning about this team is it's a lot different than last season. you got a lot of new faces, guys that have stepped up, guys that have made leaps. And we'll talk about this guy in particular. But Jermaine Mann looks like a beast. I mean, he, he's. I think he's a guy that can – uh, play a big role this season and and he's he's a guy that's got really good size he played the five uh, against Alabama State a lot of the time uh, most of the game most of the time he was in there uh, but it was fun to see him get out there a transfer from Gardner Webb so and he only averaged 20 minutes per game there so that's kind of a, a diamond in the rough type of uh, get from coach Stackhouse so we'll talk about him uh, but Vanderbilt you could argue they, they received contributions from up and down the lineup uh, they shot 45 percent they forced 24 Alabama State turnovers four different Commodores finished in double figures uh, they were led uh, of course um, by you know Jermaine Mann and, and Scotty Pippen put in most of the scoring but Miles Studi was a catalyst there in the first half he had 13 points Mann came off the bench 15 points and 10 rebounds and after the game, Jordan Wright said they, they made out, they, they came out and had a couple quick baskets. Uh, Jordan said last year and, and the year before, they kind of relied on Scotty to get them going. Tonight, uh, the other the other players got him going a little bit. So I think that's what you learned. Scotty, uh, of course, had a nice night. And, and Quentin Melora Brown, too, is a player that, you know, you look at him and, and you know, you kind of think, oh, what, what kind of an impact can he make? He's not super big, but he's a long guy. And I think he's gotten a lot better after last season as well. Scotty Pippen Jr., uh, he was 5 of 10 from the field and matched a career high with four steals. And with this team, I th- you know, you've seen leaps. Like, Miles Studi has seemingly made a big leap after last season. Jordan Wright uh, as well. I mean, he looks like a monster. His dunk was uh, was definitely one for the season. I mean, we're going to look back at that and say, yep, I don't think he'd be able to do that last – he was able to do that last season. Um, the Commodores, they opened the second half, of course, with that Jordan Wright dunk. And then Tyron Lawrence had a layup, and and that kind of put them up 48-27. It was really out of striking distance uh, for Alabama State. Peyton Daniels also played well. Um, and, and so for this for this Vanderbilt team, I think what you're looking at is a team that was inconsistent last season, and they relied heavily on Scottie Pippen Jr. Uh, now coming into this season, I think what we're learning is that Pippen is going to have to do a lot of the work like he did last season, but guys like Jordan Wright and Miles Studi and Jermaine Mann and Tyron Lawrence and Quentin Malora-Brown will step up. And, you know, I know it's Alabama State, and, and you know, we'll be getting into tougher non-conference games here a little bit later 
uh, starting with Texas State actually on Sunday night. That'll be that won't be a cakewalk, but especially getting into SEC play, the story of the season is when are Liam Robbins and Rondi Chapman going to come back? I mean, that, that's like that's what you're looking at right now and saying, okay, they're they're looking solid right now, but down the road, what could this team look like with Liam Robbins and Rondi Chapman? And the way they played against Alabama State. Put Liam Robbins and Ronnie Chapman into that mix. I think this team could be pretty good, and and I'm not I'm not going to guarantee an NCAA tournament berth because I haven't even really seen uh, much of Robbins. We haven't seen anything of Robbins. We haven't seen anything of Chapman in a Vanderbilt uni- uniform. Uh, but I think if you can get Chapman back before SEC play and Robbins back before SEC play, this team can. I think they can make a run down the stretch. Now the SEC is really talented, like Will and I talked about in the uh, in the full preview. But getting a win like this to start the season, very comfortable home win, 91-72 over Alabama State, State team that, of course, they're 0-2 right now. They're playing in the SWAT conference. Uh, but nonetheless, for, for this Vanderbilt team to start the season off like that was encouraging. And obviously the crowd wasn't great. I think a lot of people are still upset with the, the restrictions that have been put on inside. But to be honest, there were not a lot of masks in there. And – I heard from word of mouth that they were not necessarily every entrance was not necessarily checking um, for for the vaccine proof. So, again, we I think I'm not going to say we learned a ton about this team, but I think what you learned is that Coach Stackhouse has even improved. He's got on the bench. I mean, you got a lot more guys on the bench, a lot more coaches on the bench right now um, with uh, with some of the new assistants he brought in. So it, it's really it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to see this team progress again. Texas State uh, on Sunday night. That is an east eight, 8 o'clock Eastern time tip-off, 7 o'clock Central time, and that'll be on SEC Network Plus as well. So Vanderbilt, Texas State coming up on Sunday night. And, again, good start. Good start for the doors against Alabama State. All right, let's get to the Kentucky preview. And after the Kentucky preview, stay tuned. I'm saving it for you guys. I'm going to dive into the uh, facility renderings that were released today, but I want to Run through the Kentucky preview. And coming up Saturday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time kickoff on ESPN2. Kentucky is a 21.5-point favorite in this one. The over-under is 52.5. And, and there's a lot going on. A lot going on on Saturday night. Got the blackout. Uh, first all-black uniform unveiling here for Clark Lee and Team 1. Uh, by the way, I love the uniforms. Co- uh, Will and I talked about them. Um, and you got a little bit of a different shade of gold. So we'll see what those look like on Saturday night. And with it being senior night, Vanderbilt's going to recognize 30 seniors prior to Saturday's game. Uh, so that, that's something to watch for. But coming into this matchup, it, it's it, I think it comes at a good time for Vanderbilt because they've got two weeks to prepare for Kentucky. And again, we I've talked about it a lot. Could we see some wrinkles? Maybe. Who knows? Uh, but I think you'll see a different Vanderbilt team out of this bye week. And, and I'm not saying that means uh, a close game. I'm not saying that means a win. But I think that means that this Commodore team is going to be ready. And they're going to be ready to go Saturday night. And Kentucky is a team that is slumping right now. They, just like Vanderbilt, Vandy has lost four in a row. Kentucky's lost three in a row. So just like the Missouri game, it's a game where both these teams are trying to get back on track. Vandy's two and seven overall, zero and five in the SEC. Uh, Kentucky, meanwhile, six and three, still a solid record. I mean, they're already bowl eligible. They've got four SEC wins under their belt, uh, three losses. Of course, they lost to Kentucky or they lost to Mississippi State, Georgia, and Tennessee. Tennessee being last week, we'll touch on that. But something to watch for heading into this game is this week in practice, Coach Lee said Ken Seals, Rocco Griffin, and Dericky Wright have been practicing this week and could be able to return uh, to action on Saturday night against Kentucky. So 
how much Ken Seals could we see on Saturday night? Will Rocco Griffin be active? Ricky Wright, he could improve, help uh, the defense there with depth. So uh, we'll see what happens with those three guys. But going deeper into Kentucky, they started this season hot. As many of you know, they started 6-0. and They were riding high on SEC title hopes and maybe even a New Year's Six bowl game. But a loss at top-ranked Georgia back on October 16th, that was the beginning of a three-game losing streak uh, to Mississippi State and then Tennessee last week. So they're they're slumping right now. I mean, they've played three really good teams. Like Mississippi State, Tennessee, and Georgia are not slouches in the SEC. Uh, all really good, you know, offensively, defensively. But Kentucky is looking to avoid a four-game losing streak for the first time since 2015. So there is some history at stake in this one. Now, obviously, that's unlikely to happen. I don't see Kentucky losing this one. But – I, I could see a, a close one throughout three quarters, and then Kentucky pulls away late. Uh, but something to watch for also, Clark Lee is familiar with Kentucky, obviously playing in the SEC as a fullback at Vanderbilt. But he was a part of that 28-17 home victory over Kentucky back in 2003. And the goalposts came down, and that was a, a big night on West End. That was at home. Uh, so maybe Clark brings some of that magic with him on Saturday night. But a few guys to watch for Kentucky. Of course, quarterback Will Levis has played well all season, but I look at the running back, Chris Rodriguez. He's second in the SEC in rushing yards right now with 918 on the ground, and Wandale Robinson is second in the SEC in receiving yards. So their two weapons are Rodriguez and Robinson uh, at the running back position and then at the receiver position outside. Robinson is their weapon to watch out there. 811 yards on the season, six touchdowns. Um, and when you look at Kentucky's offense in total offensive yards per game, uh, Kentucky ranks towards the bottom half of the SEC. So there's they're not world beaters offensively, but they're methodical. And, and Mark Stoops has a plan with new offensive coordinator Liam Cohen, and it's a new and improved offense. So don't be fooled on this Kentucky offense. They can move the ball with the best of the SEC. Uh, I know they're towards the bottom statistically, but they, they went at it with Tennessee. They put up 45 points and over 600 total yards of offense. I know Tennessee's defense – it's not anything to write home about, but you know they, they fought with Mississippi State. They 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 hung close with Georgia there for the at the beginning for a while. Georgia, of course, uh, ended up ended up pulling off, pulling away there. But Kentucky started the season six and zero, and they've got four SEC wins of their belt under their belt, and they are in that middle of the pack in the SEC. I think they are very comparable par, comparable to Tennessee, uh, and heck, you may even put Ole Miss in that same mold in that same tier. We'll see what Ole Miss does this week. Um, with uh, with their matchup. But for Vanderbilt, this defense is the key uh, Saturday night, as it has been all season. Of course, you got to get the offense going, but this defense is second in the SEC in interceptions. they got 11 on the season, which is crazy to think about coming into this season. Um, if they can get some pressure on Will Levis and force him out of the pocket, those are the situations where Vanderbilt's defense has found ways to come up with interceptions all season long. And you've seen it with Jalen Mahoney, where if they can get the quarterback out of the pocket – and stay tight on the receiver, you've seen Vanderbilt's players come up with interceptions all season long. So we'll see if guys like Jerkins and Mahoney and even Ethan Barr back there in the secondary, Brendan Harris can maybe affect the passer, maybe some blitzes, and then uh, create some pressure on Will Levis. But let's get to my three things to watch. And it's going to be a lot quicker here without Will. Uh, but I'm going to start with, uh, obviously, these are I'm asking questions in these. And my first question is, can Vandy limit Will Levis and Chris Rodriguez production on the ground? It's, it's going to be a tall task. Uh, together, those two guys have rushed for 1,149 yards and 10 touchdowns. So that is what this offense is predicated on. It's Levis on the ground and Rodriguez on the ground. And throughout this season, Vandy has struggled 
late in games, mostly in the second half of these games, with allowing their opponents' rushing attacks to kind of impose their will on Vanderbilt's defense. And, you know, there we know this. There's not a ton of depth on this Vanderbilt defense, but that's exactly what Missouri did with Tyler Beatty a couple of weeks ago. And I would imagine Mark Stoops is going to try to do more of the same with his offense. And I, I don't – you know, I, if I'm Kentucky, I'm going to pound – Chris Rodriguez on the ground and Will Levis and just continue to run it. That, that's what you do. And then maybe sneak a pass with Rondell Robinson on the outside. So this is another tall task for Vanderbilt's defense, but I'm interested to see what Will Levis and what Chris Rodriguez can get done on the ground. Um, you know, human instinct says they have a big day, a big night in Nashville on the ground. Uh, but if Vanderbilt can maybe force a fumble here and there, maybe get an interception for Levis and, kind of create those blitz packages that Jesse Minner has come up with, I think they can improve. And, and you know, you saw a matchup with Missouri. I think Tyler Beatty and what he was able to do on the ground will prepare Vanderbilt for what they're going to see on Saturday night with Will Levis and Chris Rodriguez. Number two, I'm going to ask the question, will we see Ken Seals? And Coach Lee, I talked about it. He said Ken was reintroduced back into practice this week, and he could see some playing time on Saturday night. But this begs the question for Vandy fans, who would you rather see? Would you rather see Mike Wright's legs or Ken Seals' arm? And, you know, I think natural instinct says, well, well Ken Seals. And, I mean, he, he's the better thrower, and he's the pocket passer, and he can win games with his arm. And Ken has shown he can move the ball down the field and win games for Vandy. Granted, that was against Colorado State and UConn, but it's obvious. I mean, Ken Seals is the better option for this offense through the air. Um, and I mean, he can run the ball as well. Obviously you don't want to see him get hurt, but we'll see exactly how much Ken is incorporated back into the offense. Now, I mean, you, you got to think about the rust factor I and mean, he hasn't played in what, five weeks, uh, four or five weeks. So uh, I think with Ken, it's just a matter of, is he ready to go, you know, physically? I mean, with the injury, what, what, what does his finger feel like? And I think a lot of Vandy fans will be excited to see him back on the field. But let's not forget, Ken has struggled with interceptions as well and, and kind of some of his decision-making and accuracy at times. So, you know, he is the better thrower, but I don't want us to act like Ken Seals has, you know, turned this offense into a juggernaut. I mean, there's some chemistry issues there, of course, with him and Cam and Chris and Will, but they could fix a lot of those. Who knows? We could see Ken most of this game. Um, and, and the way Coach Lee has kept a lot of things under wraps – Ken Seals could could start. Who knows? I'm not I'm not, not saying it's out of the possibility. So uh, my number two question is, will we see Ken Seals? Number three is, can Vandy get off to a fast start? So far this season, Vandy has yet to score a touchdown on their opening drive of the game, which Will and I have talked about it at, at, at nauseum. That, that has put them behind the eight ball in just about every game. And against Kentucky, that cannot happen because they, they – Behind Mark Stoops, they are the type of team to pounce on a slow start from their opponent and 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 take advantage of it. So Kentucky's going to put up points, but for Vandy, it all comes down to the first quarter because that's the quarter that has killed them all season. And you may wonder why I'm saying that. I mean, you know, obviously a lot of people would say, oh, it comes down to the second half, fourth quarter. What do you do in the fourth quarter? But for this team, it's obvious. What they do in the first quarter impacts every game. And you've seen it. They've gotten off to extremely slow starts in the first quarter uh, of these games. So if they can change that, I think you could see a tight one. Now, I said that against Missouri, and, and that was a tight game. I mean, Vanderbilt could have won that game against Missouri. Um, against Kentucky, 
I'm not saying Vandy has a very, very slim chance to win this one. But if a few things turn their way, they get a few turnovers on Levis, maybe a fumble or two here and there, maybe an interception. You never know what can happen. And it's at home. It's a night game. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of blue in the stadium. It's a blackout for Vandy. It's senior night. Maybe there's some guys out there, some dudes for Vandy that want to end their Vandy home career on a high note. So we'll see. We'll see what Vanderbilt has planned uh, for Saturday night. Those are my three things to watch. Again, 7 o'clock Eastern time kickoff on ESPN2. Kentucky is a 21.5-point favorite in this one. 52.5 is the over-under. So Vegas thinks there's going to be a lot of points scored, and you know most of those they believe will come from Kentucky. But who knows? We'll see what happens with the blackout on Saturday night on West End. All right, our final piece of news to get to is a historic piece of news with Commodore Nation. And this has been, many people would argue, nearly 40 years in the making. And Vanderbilt Stadium has needed this. Commodore fans have needed this. The city of Nashville has been waiting on this. And Vanderbilt delivers. Credit to Candace Lee, credit to Tommy McClelland, and everyone involved with Vandy United. They got it done. And I honestly, seeing this, I didn't know what to expect. I had high expectations, uh, you know, because of how much it was built up this morning on Twitter. And, you know, we tweeted out those three eyeballs. And I I knew something big was coming just because of, you know, the the anchor drop tweet there from Candace. And, And then Tommy, of course, tweeting as well. But this is work that has been put in with those two people right there. Also, Daniel Diermeyer. There's so many people um, to kind of look at here, but this is a historic day. And Candace Lee said it best in her quote, Vandy United represents our vision for what is possible for Vanderbilt athletics, as well as our commitment to bring that vision to life. After months of hard work to create and refine designs that reflect and honor who we are as a university, these initial renderings are another important step in our journey. Much work remains to transform renderings into reality, but it is easier today to see where we are headed. And that says it all from from Candace Lee. She's a Vanderbilt-bred person. She played at Vanderbilt. And Tommy McClelland, with his knowledge coming in here and his experience at Louisiana Tech, they are building something special. And let's start with the Basketball Operations Center and the North End Zone Stadium upgrades. This will be located in the current North End Zone of Vanderbilt Stadium. By the way, the videos were unreal. I mean, looking at that video, that last 40 seconds or so, if you're a Vandy fan, I don't see how you don't kind of drop down and start crying. (laughs) I mean, that's that's what the feeling was. I mean, looking at that and, and, you know, realizing that this is going to happen and the proof is in the pudding, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And uh, once Will rejoins for the next podcast, we will get his reaction and all your reactions. We've seen it on Twitter. Uh, It's special, special day. But back to the Basketball Operations Center, this Basketball Operations Center could be top-notch in the SEC. And I'm saying that, like, that's factual. Uh, they got a new student-athlete locker room and lounges, new weight room, new athletic training facility, premium hospitality areas, a new video board, Uh, right there in that end zone to enhance the football game day experience, new premium seating in addition to loge boxes for football game days, a a visiting football locker room. That's key for a lot of the opponents, (laughs) 
Uh, a new North Concourse expansion connecting Vanderbilt Stadium's East and West Concourses and convenient access to Memorial Gymnasium. So the Basketball Operations Center, I know the football has kind of worked in there, but it's a multi-floor building with two practice gyms spanning more than 90,000 square feet. That's huge. That's massive. I mean, that, that, that's something Vanderbilt has never had. New locker rooms, new lounges, new weight room. I mean, this is this is something to behold. And the pictures and the videos, I don't, I don't think are going to do it justice. Like when shovels start being put in the ground and Vandy fans start walking over to West End and seeing what's happening, it's, it's, they're going to be surprised. And I think a lot of people that have been clamoring for these renovations and these renderings and honestly getting angry to a fault are kind of shook right now. Like uh, there's a lot of people that expected this, I think, within that university. But there's a lot of fans also that are pleasantly surprised today. And I know there's always going to be people that are looking at this and and basically saying it's same old Vandy. This isn't this this is going to be done in two three years. I'm confident this is going to be done. And uh, I'm not going to say before next season. I don't think we know when this is going to be done, but I'm confident this is going to be done sooner rather than later. And Vandy fans are witnessing a brand new Vanderbilt. And you know, I, I've 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 had my concerns with this administration with Candace Lee, but she just continues to impress. I mean, you, you can't help but but realize what this has done and what this will do for recruiting and what this will do for every sport. I mean, Vanderbilt has finally made that push to become a top-tier athletic program in the SEC, and they're paying the money, over $300 million of investment. That says it all. All right, let's move over to the South End Zone facility. This will be replacing the current South End Zone seating bowl of Vanderbilt Stadium. There will be a multi-floor building spanning more than 130,000 square feet, which is a ton. There is a football game day locker room in there. There's a student-athlete training table and dining facility five times larger than the current dining facility. There's a new diverse premium seat offerings for football game days, including living room boxes, loge boxes, club seating, field-level seating, founder suites, club suites, and open-air tailgate suites. So I think when you look at this and you're looking at this south end zone, it's unbelievable. I mean, you're seeing loge boxes. You're seeing club-level suites. You're seeing, um, I mean, you're just seeing all kinds of different seating that Vanderbilt has never had, and it's going to make a difference. And I think you look at that and you say, okay, that's a brand-new Vanderbilt stadium. So got to love what's going on. Renovated concourse twice as large as the current footprint, also doubling the number of concession stands with expanded offerings. New video board and stadium acoustic systems. And boy, is that going to sound good. Video, two video boards. Um, and man, I mean, just reading through all this, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. So let's move on to the Football Operations Center and the expanded McGugan Center. So Vanderbilt's going to be expanding the current square footage of the McGugan Center by more than 175%. There will be a new academic center doubling the size of the current student-athlete academic center. There's going to be a new football, obviously the football, new football locker room is already there, but football locker room and lounge area, new football weight room, an all-sports athletic training room to more than double in size, hydrotherapy and recovery areas, student-athlete nutrition stations, a new sports science lab, team meeting rooms, new coaches' offices, a new Olympic sports weight room featuring more than 150% more square footage than exist than the existing weight room, 
new Olympic sports locker rooms with more than twice the space of the current footprint. So that is the expanded Magugan Center. That's going to look a lot different. Now to the indoor practice facility. And this place looks beautiful. Looks like, uh, I'm looking at the picture here, looks like to the off to the left, uh, to the outdoor practice field, you can see that they got the clear, I don't know if those are windows or what that is, but um, that, that, that looks great. And this indoor fat practice facility is situated on the footprint of the current football practice field, more than 100,000 square feet, 120-yard artificial turf football field. It's fully conditioned, which facilitates year-round training, and the indoor practice, practice facility looks unreal. It really does. And to recap, Vanderbilt is going to continue working with Populous to refine and finalize design for each project, so each of these projects could be changed. And in order to break ground in fall of next year, so they'll be breaking ground in fall of 2022, Vanderbilt is focused on several required preliminary steps, including the demolition of the Palmer Fieldhouse in the north end zone and the construction of a new utility plant that will supply power to all these new buildings. So courtesy of VUCommodores.com, that's where I got all that information. You can log on to uh, their site and uh, read about all these new renderings. But my goodness. That's all I can say, and and the reaction on Twitter has been great. But all I can say after that is it's a great day to be a Commodore. It really is, and this $300 million investment is changing the landscape of, of athletics here at Vanderbilt. And, again, I can't wait to get Will back on the next episode. We'll talk more about this. I mean, we'll be talking about this throughout you know the rest of this year, through next year, and when this is done. But the videos are out. The proof is in the pudding. And it's a great day to be a Commodore. So the renderings have been released. And that just about does it here for segment one. Coming up here on the Door Report, we will dive deeper into Kentucky. Vanderbilt, Kentucky coming up Saturday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN2. Up next, John Hale. He covers Kentucky for the Courier-Journal in Lexington, Kentucky. We've got that coming up here on the Door Report. Powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Welcome back into the Door Report. I'm Billy Derrick, and uh, it's now time to dive a little deeper into this Kentucky Vanderbilt matchup. And I'm happy to welcome in Mr. John Hale. He covers Kentucky for the Courier Journal up there in Lexington. And as the Cats travel to Nashville for a seven o'clock Eastern time kickoff uh, here in the Music City, that'll be on ESPN2. Kentucky is a 21 and a half point favorite heading into this one. So we'll dive into this entire matchup with John. John, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I want to start here, John, and, and Kentucky's fine. They're still second in the SEC East. Uh, there may be some concern there with, with, uh, with a lot of the fan base, but they're coming off a tough home loss to the red-hot Tennessee Vols, who seem to be uh, moving the ball on everybody right now. And, and coming into this matchup now, they're trying to avoid their fourth straight loss in Nashville on Saturday night. That's you know, obviously unlikely to happen because you know, they're trying to get back on track. But how's the mood in Lexington right now as uh, the Big Blue Nation rolls into Nashville? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because what this time a month ago, just under a month ago, they were 6-0. and uh, They were going to Georgia. ESPN College Game Day was there. Mm -hmm. They were number 11 in the country. Everybody had these dreams of, you know, even maybe only the most optimistic of people thought they had realistic playoff chances because they knew they'd have to beat Georgia for that. But the, the opportunity to play in the Sugar Bowl or a New Year's Six Bowl seemed very 
possible mm. at the time. So that was where the fan base had kind of pointed their direction or their attention. You lose to Georgia, which nobody's going to say much about because of how good they are. Mm-hmm. Have an off week, come back and put uh, – they post their worst performance of the season at Mississippi State. Then last week, lose a, a game against Tennessee that's – you know, basically unprecedented. I mean, they had 600 yards of total offense. They ran 99 plays. They possessed the ball for 46 minutes, and they still lost, which is just unheard of. And so Mm -hmm. those three games put together has this kind of feel of disappointment among the fan base right now. There's a lot of questioning, okay, well, maybe none of those six teams they beat at the beginning of the season were actually any good. Uh, You know, what does that mean for the program? They still have this real opportunity because of the way the schedule sets up with Vanderbilt, New Mexico State, and Louisville in the last three games to go nine and three in the regular season. If you could win your bowl game to win 10 games for just the second time since 1977, have one of the best seasons in program history, and people are not exactly thrilled about it. So I I think a lot of it says – just how much Mark Stoops has raised the Mm -hmm. expectations, but also in this season in particular, um, maybe the 6-0 start was a little bit of fool's gold, and and people are are figuring that out now and and feeling a little stupid for getting as excited (laughs) as they were. Yeah, you touched on the Tennessee matchup, John, and and you you, you talked about it. Kentucky outgained Tennessee in total yards, and it felt like Kentucky was going to find a way to win that, no matter what happened in that game. But Will Levis's interception seemed to be that dagger in the Cats' hopes because they never really rebounded from that. Why do you think, as a whole, uh, on on defense going to that Kentucky defense? Why do you think they struggled so much defending Tennessee's offense? I mean, most you know most teams have, uh, but but why in particular Kentucky? You think? Yeah, I think the defense is the side of the ball. When we really talk about those first six games being fool's gold is is where that's shown up the most. Um, so they lost five players from their defense last year to the NFL draft. And, and just frankly, for most of Kentucky's history, you can't lose five draft picks from one mm-hmm. side of the ball and expect to be uh, uh, as good as you were the year before, let alone a top 25 defense, which is what they looked like they had for half the season. So I think that we maybe underestimated some of the impact of all those losses. I mean, they're starting corners last year. Brandon Eccles and Kelvin Joseph are both playing a ton in the NFL right now. Um, They just maybe didn't have the talent at that position in particular that we thought they did coming into the year. Injuries have played a part of it. They're down three of their starters in the front seven, or they were last week. Marquand McCall, the nose guards, missed the last four games. Looks like maybe he'll come back this week. Uh, Octavius Oxendine, their defensive tackle, is out for the rest of the season. Jordan Wright, their outside linebacker, missed last week. We don't really have an update on his status, so we'll see if he plays or not. So losing some guys in the front seven, I think, has affected the pass rush, which affects the pass defense. The tackling has been terrible the last two weeks against Mississippi State and Tennessee. Um, It was interesting this week. There was a lot of talk from Mark Stoops and their defensive coordinator, Brad White, about that maybe the corners actually weren't that bad against Tennessee, which is hard to imagine given what they – I mean, they gave a 75-yard touchdown and a 73-yard touchdown in like the first four plays. But when you look at it a little closer, one of those was a missed tackle right at the line of scrimmage that could have stopped it right away. Um, So it's been a group effort in being as bad as they've been the last two weeks on defense. So they're not very deep there. Uh, The injuries have played a role. Uh, But I think a lot of it is just maybe we're finally seeing – the effect of losing the, all those draft picks from last year because they played their best offenses they faced all year in the last three games. 
Yeah, moving to the other side of the ball offensively and looking at what Will Levis has done this season, I've been really impressed with him. He seems to be that quarterback that Mark Stoops has has been longing for and kind of taking that next step offensively. I know a couple of years ago we saw Lynn Bowden, uh, quarterback, yeah. uh, playing against Vanderbilt. So I feel he feels like that type of guy that can take Mark Stoops to that next level. Over 1,800 yards this season, 70 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. What do you think has made him so effective within this new and improved Kentucky offense? Yeah, I mean, he, he's a perfect fit for what they want to do. I mean, obviously, um, we talk about the pandemic season last year, ch- kind of changing expectations. And it, it, I think, changed the path of this program altogether because they won five games with the bowl game uh, and everybody was unhappy. And Mark Stoops went out and fired his offensive coordinator and Eddie Grant as quarterback's coach. But if they had played a normal schedule, if they had played four non-conference games that they were going to be heavily favored in all of them, they would have won eight games and everybody would have been like, oh, okay, this this is fine. And they would have just kept chugging along. But that, the change in perception just from playing an all-SEC schedule, I think made him realize how much of a gap there still was between Kentucky and the top of the league. So he went out and hired Liam Cohen from the Los Angeles Rams to run their new offense, the same system that Sean McVay runs there. And then Cohen, when he got here, even though they had two highly touted quarterbacks on the roster, Bo Allen, a four-star recruit from Mm -hmm. in town, and Joey Gatewood, the former Auburn transfer, Cohen was pretty clear right away that they needed somebody else at that position. So he had a prior relationship with Will Levis from as a high school recruit. They they had briefly talked to each other back then when Cohen was at Maine. Levis ended up being much better than – then an FCS recruit went to Penn State, played a little bit there, was used mostly as a running quarterback. But he wanted to find an offense as a transfer that would let him throw the ball. And his arm strength is unquestionable. It's his accuracy that's been an, an issue. And Cohen saw what he wanted there in terms of being able to get the ball out quickly. He came. He's been really good for the most part. He has thrown too many interceptions. Decision-making has been a little bit of a problem at times. But the biggest issue is they just don't have a ton of receivers outside of Wondell Robinson. And so he's maybe zeroed in on Robinson too much, which has led to some of those mistakes. But the best thing I think you can say about Levis is just his personality really lends itself to being that main guy, the face of a program. I mean, there are all sorts of clips out there. He routinely jumps over guys when he's scrambling, yeah, which I like you know, I like the banana clip. That's my favorite. Yeah, I mean, the banana stuff, the uh, all the TikTok videos, he was really <laughs> building a social media profile before the season to cash in on NIL right. stuff. But then when he started playing, he, like, routinely lowers his shoulder to run over tackles oh, yeah. and jumps over guys. I don't think his coaches are thrilled about that always because <laughs> it puts him at risk of injury. But it, may, it, I think it gains him a lot of respect from his teammates and fans. And he's not been perfect. He had a – couple bad games early in the year against Chattanooga and South Carolina, then bounced back and played really, really well against LSU and, and Georgia. Then went out and was terrible against Mississippi State and came back with, I think, his best performance of the year last week against Tennessee. So there's a lot of hope that um, having a year under his belt, they finish this season however they do. He comes back next year. Uh, everybody's more familiar with the offense, and he could finally be that kind of upper half of the SEC quarterback that they've lacked for pretty much Stoops' mm-hmm. entire tenure. And looking at this total offense for Kentucky, I think they're better than the stats have shown. I mean, the eye test tells you that this is a this is a legit offense. Like, you know, they may not have played to their potential in a lot of these games, but Chris Rodriguez is is the real deal. He's second in the SEC behind Tyler Beatty uh, in running yards, who Beatty ran all over Vandy a couple weeks ago. So you got to believe Mark Stoops uh, is going to look at that matchup and and enjoy hopefully seeing uh, Rodriguez have that same success. Do you think Rodriguez can have that same success as Beatty did against Vanderbilt due to Vandy's uh, struggles in the run game this year? 
Yeah, I think so. He's been an interesting guy to watch this year because, you know, Kentucky's – I mean, it's not just Levis who's had a turnover problem. Kentucky's last in the country in turnover margin, or at least they mm-hmm. were heading into the last week. Uh, and part of that is because Rodriguez has had a bunch of fumbles. He had, I think, four in the first three games, two of which he fumbled right before he was going to score a touchdown. So that did not uh, ingratiate himself, I think, to fans or coaches at the time. It felt like he got it fixed, and then he went out against Mississippi State and fumbled it two more times, had a third one that looked like a fumble overturned on replay. And so there were all these questions about him heading into the last week. Mark Stoop said there was some sort of issue in practice, a physical thing. Uh, that he wouldn't tell us what it was, but that had affected uh, Chris and Starkville. And so I think it was really important to see him bounce back and have a really good game against Tennessee that built confidence for him, that built confidence back in his teammates and the fans. So I think that he's a guy that, you know, he's going to be able to run against basically every team except the top team. I mean, Georgia shut him down. Obviously, mm-hmm. they're a different kind of animal. But most teams I think he's going to be able to run against. So I, I expect him to have a pretty big game this week too. Moving over to Vanderbilt, John, this offense has, you know, been all over the place this season. They've really struggled, especially against, you know, some of those top tier SEC teams. But even against Missouri, it seems like they struggle to pass the ball through the air. Uh, Mike Wright had over 150 rushing yards against Missouri. So he is a guy that I think could have some success. Um, But Ken Seals allegedly is healthy this week. Their former starter this week. So we'll see how much he's able to play. Uh, But for Vanderbilt, looking over at the Commodores, what type of problems do you think they could cause Kentucky? Now, they, I know they caused them for Missouri. Missouri's defense is, is you know, bottom tier in the SEC. But do you think Vanderbilt could cause any concern for Kentucky uh, on Saturday night? Yeah, I mean, the way that Kentucky's defense has played the last two weeks, I think anybody could cause a concern for them. So it's it's I, I do think the two quarterback situation is something to monitor. Kentucky has at times struggled in those kind of games where they, you know, maybe have to split prep time for mm-hmm. Two different styles. Uh, very famously, uh, Lamar Jackson's, yes. I think, freshman or sophomore year, he was the backup at Louisville. They had a pure pocket passer, and uh, starting Lamar was playing a lot, and they brought Lamar in that game, and and Kentucky just looked lost. I mm-hmm. mean, obviously, he did that to a lot of people, but that was before he was, you know, right. Lamar Jackson. So that has been an issue. Running quarterbacks have given them problems at times, especially with their issues up front in the injury department. I think that's something to watch. But also, if we're talking about throwing the ball, the biggest concern for Kentucky is Mississippi State and Tennessee both put up huge passing numbers, and they did it in very different ways. I mean, in the air raid of Mississippi State, they were perfectly fine just dinking and ducking down the field and taking those short plays, and Kentucky just couldn't tackle guys. Tennessee obviously has as explosive an offense as, as maybe anybody in the league, and they put up huge numbers very quickly, scored very quickly. So uh, there's not a lot of confidence on that side of the ball for Kentucky. So I think Vanderbilt, with some of the progress they've made as the season goes on, could absolutely, you know, this could be a game where where it's much closer than I think the spread indicates. Before every game, you know, we like to look at certain matchups we like to watch and are intrigued to watch it in, in every game. And this one, I'm interested to see Kentucky's run game and how much success they can have because Vanderbilt's rushing attack uh, defensively has has you know been a problem uh, this season. So is there a specific matchup you're looking forward to watching in this one? And, and how do you think that matchup could play out uh, in this one between Kentucky and Vandy? Yeah, I mean, I think that obviously we talked about Chris Rodriguez. That's going to be a huge part for Kentucky because even though they've improved the passing game, 
they're still a run team first. They've got to establish mm -hmm. that. And so much of their passing success comes on the play action. Uh, the part from the Kentucky side that's interesting for me is we know who Wondell Robinson is, what he's going to do. They, I mean, they targeted him like 19 times last week. He's going to, you know, he's going to set the school record for catches in a season, but can he get any help? And it seems like the one guy that's kind of emerging for that is Kentucky's tight end, Isaiah Cummings. How much can they throw it to those tight ends over the middle? They've got two other guys, Justin Rigg and, and Brendan Bates at that position who also have caught a fair amount of passes, but Cummings seems to be the real playmaker at that position. He had a huge game against Tennessee. Uh, can he build on that next step? Can he be that reliable other option in the passing game to take some of the attention away from Wondell Robinson, which then opens up some of the deep shots they haven't been able to get as, you know, defenses just drop two safeties and say, beat us underneath. So mm -hmm. that for me from the Kentucky side, what those tight ends and specifically Cummings can do is, is what to watch. Nashville has been uh, a, a destination city for a lot of these SEC schools, especially Georgia. Every time Florida comes in here, they bring a lot of fans. Kentucky has seemed to be that team, too, that likes to make uh, that trip to Nashville. So for these Cats fans, how many uh, different Big Blue Nation fans could you see? I know the mood may not be as high as they would like, but uh, Nashville is always a good trip this time of year. So do you think you could see a decent amount of Big Blue Nation in Nashville? Yeah, I anticipate they will be. It seems like every year they're down there, they have, you know, about the same amount of fans as Vanderbilt has in that game. But it's there are a couple factors that might lessen that this year. Obviously, the excitement level that we talked about, it seems like there is now a realistic possibility they're going to end up in the Music City Bowl, depending on how these last three games go and what else happens in, in the rest of the league. So that might leave some people to just wait a little bit until the bowl <laughs> game. But the other thing that's working in their favor is, you know, Kentucky fans flock to Nashville every March for the SEC basketball yep. tournament, and it's not there this year. And so there's not that guaranteed trip that they normally would make in a mm -hmm. few months. So maybe that helps people come down now. But, yeah, I anticipate there will be quite a few Kentucky little, fans there. I love the strategy. A little bit of strategy involved there for Kentucky fans making their trip to Nashville. Uh, John, thanks for taking the time. But before we let you go, i got to get your prediction. Uh, I know you put it up on your Twitter in a story earlier. Uh, but for Vandy fans, for Kentucky fans, this one is a night game. Of course, Vanderbilt has their blackout. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit more blue than black in that stadium. But um, heading into this matchup, what's your pick here, Vandy, Kentucky? I know Kentucky's a, a three-touchdown favorite in this one. Yeah, I actually, I mean, I think it's going to be closer than that just because of the way Kentucky's defense has been playing recently. I, you know, you look at last year and as bad as Vanderbilt was, the closest they played anybody all year was Kentucky. So I, I think there's a little bit of risk for a letdown. I did pick Kentucky, I think, 38-21 to win this game. Uh, for me, it's it's a lot about how they start. If, mm -hmm. if they don't start quickly and they let Vanderbilt hang around, then how much of that just kind of malaise from the three-game losing streak comes into play and the negativity pops up. Uh, that's that's for me what happens. If, if they go out and score on their first two drives, it could be you know pretty lopsided, but I, I think it's going to be a little closer than that spread says. I got to ask you, are, making the, are you making the trip to Nashville? I am not. Since we're, since the, uh, the SEC is doing the road news conferences on Zoom. Right. Uh, and it's basketball overlap now, so I've got a basketball game tonight. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit this one out and cover it virtually. It seems to be the trend uh, among a lot of these reporters. But John, thanks for taking the time, and uh, again, good luck with your coverage. And uh, hopefully, we got a good game Saturday night. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, that does it for episode 125 of the Door Report. Big thanks to John Hale. He covers Kentucky for the Courier Journal up in Lexington, helping us preview Kentucky and Vandy coming up Saturday night at seven o'clock Eastern time on the SEC Network. We also dove into Vanderbilt basketball and their season opening win over Alabama State, but also the huge facility renderings that were dropped 
today. The biggest anchor drop any Vanderbilt fan could have hoped for today. That does it for episode 125 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors.